Paul Douglas will be familiar to a lot of our listeners. Paul has been a part of Minnesota broadcasting for decades. He's a meteorologist, a newspaper columnist, an author, a teacher, an entrepreneur, and in my mind, the most important, he's a grandfather. That's kind of the short list of all the things he has going on. I'll put a link to Paul's website down below in the description box. Paul is currently the co-host of the Paul and Jordana show on WCCO Radio. He has recently become a friend of this podcast because of his love for stories. Paul was convinced that people want to hear great stories, so he took a chance. He invited his 88-year-old father to come on his radio show to tell some of his stories. Folker has always been a great storyteller. He would tell tales of being a young man in Germany during World War II. Now keep in mind that Drive Time Radio is the most listened to hours of the day. So Paul really was taking a programming risk. From the first moment I heard his voice, I was hooked. And so were a lot of other listeners. Paul and his father, Folker, were a part of the inspiration for this You Have Stories podcast. We're going to listen to one of those stories today. He is an eyewitness to history. Hearing Folker confirms what I have been saying. Stories are too important, and we cannot let them be lost to time. So let's head down to the studios of WCCO. I'll let Paul introduce his father. Dad grew up, he was born in Germany, uh, spent uh, much of his younger life in Germany, was 15 when World War II ended. And uh, I grew up being regaled by amazing stories. And Dad has thousands of stories. He remembers names and colors and what he ate 75 years ago mm-hmm. and, and who he met and who he loved. And so he shared a lot of these stories. And uh, it was pure chaos at the end of World War II. Dad was 15. He was not drafted into the German army. Uh, thankfully, he missed that by a few months. Uh, Dad, welcome to the show. Good to have you here. Yes, thank you for inviting me back, uh, Paul and Jordana. Before we get back to World War II, give me 30 seconds to say that it was far less intimidating to talk on the air from my uh, study in <laughs> Lancaster, Pennsylvania, <laughs> than here being surrounded by, oh, 12 microphones, six technicians with uh, Dan Cook, the ringmaster and producer. <laughs> Right. Uh, I hope they're all very benign. This is this is intimidating. Okay, back to 1945. Yes, I had a ringside seat. Uh, as Paul said, I missed the draft by three months. Uh, if I hadn't, I wouldn't be here and Paul wouldn't be here. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, the ending was dramatic. I remember in our village, and it just we were just outside the village, German soldiers running as fast as they could from east to west. The Russians were, let's say, within a mile or two of us. The Americans and the Brits were within 10 miles to our west. The idea was not to be taken prisoner by the Russians. If you did, you probably uh, would not return. 
you, you would perish in Siberia, and it turned out to be true. Ten percent of German prisoners survived. Out of every 100,000, 10,000 returned home. And if you made it to the West, you would live. You would see your relatives. So if the German army abandoned everything that was big and heavy and clumsy, but they kept everything that has two wheels, motorcycles, bicycles, with which you could move to the West, which was faster than walking. So they, on, on a pasture just outside of our village, they had abandoned a, a number of vehicles that you cannot imagine. Tanks, buses, anti-aircraft guns, and school buses, anything that took a lot of space and a lot of gas. We inherited. And friends of mine, I, I will mention too, Eddie and Ernest. Ernest and Eddie and I walked around and noticed that Eddie was climbing up on an anti-aircraft gun. And Eddie pointed the anti-aircraft gun on a, on a house maybe 500 yards away and said, Eddie, don't point it to the house. Point the thing to that oh, barn over there. Eddie said, you don't imagine they, they, they would possibly put a shell in the, in, in, in the barrel. He said, you never do it with a gun. You don't do it with an anti-aircraft gun. So, Eddie, we, we kept walking around among the ammunition. You have to figure that we had a few thousand pounds of ammunition sitting around there open. Eddie said, I discovered how to swivel this thing. A moment later, he said, I discovered a few uh, levers, and I think one of them is the would fire the gun. So we told him, there's nothing in the shell. The next thing we knew, Ernst and I were on our, on our rear. We heard a low boom and then a big boom, and the barn on which Eddie had aimed had, was gone. We looked at each other and said, let's get, yes, let's get the hell out of here, or the equivalent in German. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. We, we did. Uh, we knew the Russians would come. The noise was was unbelievable. It wasn't ten minutes. They came, armed to the teeth, and we, the, 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 of course we were on the on the village street. They looked at us, boom boom. We said yes, boom boom. We shrugged our shoulders and looked innocently. <laughs> and after a while, I think even the Russians discovered that an anti-aircraft gun had been aimed at a barn which which was no longer there. To make the short, long story short, two days later, every piece of the abandoned equipment was had been transported off. And fast forward 60 years. Paul, my grandson Brett, and I are sitting in Ernst's living room, and we, we, we are retelling war stories. I said, Ernst, do you remember the day when Eddie shot the barn? Ernst said, he, he didn't say much. He took both hands and put them in front of his face and said, do you realize we were shooting an anti-aircraft gun in the middle of a weapons stump? If that had gone up, there wouldn't have been any funeral, and most of the veggies would have gone. See, we were very, very lucky. Uh, so, yes, that is... Uh, 
That was 60 years later, and I still remember the day when we were playing in, an, in, in a munition stump of the German army. Thank you, Dad. You know, he he tells this wow. story, Jordana, too, about how it was just so chaotic at the end of World War II that his bike was stolen. Again, he's 15. He, he was getting around on a bike. Sure. But the German soldiers stole his bike and anything else with wheels, wagons, motorcycles, but especially bicycles, anything to get away from the Russians. If they could get to the American line, the Brit line, they would live. If they were captured by the Russians, um, a lot of uncertainty whether they would ever again get home. Dad, thank you. Uh, may I say one word? No. Yeah. Yes. Oh. Being yes. taken to the, by, by the Americans and the British was salvation. They were not our enemies anymore. It was saving your life from the Russians. They were the bad guys. But being taken by the by the American troops or by the British, uh, you were in heaven, and you were in tears because you would live. Yeah, it turns out though Amazing. that Dad's hometown, your town of Distelo, was on the Russian side after the war. Right, you were not on the the British, the English side. Folker just celebrated his 90th birthday this past August. He's doing well and is still telling great stories. I hope to share a few more of these with you in future episodes. We can learn a lot from this master storyteller. After all, that's what the You Have Stories podcast is all about, preserving our stories for future generations. I want to thank Paul and his father for being willing to share these stories with us. Here's this week's question. It's a two-parter. What is your most productive time of the day? Are you using that time wisely? Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on You Have Stories. <laughs>